What was the problem? The article was original, in fact, called number nine. We call about the article number nine and everybody until you know what it means, you know, that if a project is financed by the public resources, but in the earliest stage of development, it's mean a basic science, okay? It's not return the funding to the government plus 5%, I mean, to the state, if the technology will sex in the future. It may sound crazy that any government could try and reclaim project funding plus 5% from a spin-out, but yes, that is exactly the situation that Alvaro Osa, the Director of Transfer and Development at Pontificia Universidad Católica de Chile, has been facing. The lobbying effort to get the article removed from the law is ongoing, and this is one of the topics we'll cover in this interview. Alvaro also tells us why it's important to attract local VC funding first before trying to raise from overseas investors, a lesson he learned the hard way, and how he created an online course on tech transfer in Spanish on Coursera that has attracted more than 11,000 students to date. Alvaro is also the author of Del Laboratorio al Mercado, a book on technology transfer written in Spanish and filled with local experiences that was an Amazon bestseller at launch. And he tells us more about what inspired him to write this. My name is Thierry Heles, and this is Talking Tech Transfer. Alvaro, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Thierry. Thank you very much for the invitation. I look forward to the conversation. To start with, can you give me an overview of innovation at PUC with some headline figures? Sure. Universidad Católica de Chile is one of the Chilean's oldest universities and as well one of the most recognized educational institutions in Latin America. It has been ranked as the best university in Latin America by the QS World University Ranking. And according to the latest version that was at previous years, the Católica University was ranked 121 in the world. So we have a high prestigious. As well, our university Turi has 18 schools distributed through Santiago, the capital city of Chile. And as well, we have one campus located in southern Chile in a very amazing place. And as well, we have probably covered all files of studies from science to art, from medicine to law, engineering, architecture school as well, are well known around the world. We have more than 30,000 students, more than 3,500 faculty members. And as well, we have a very long tradition of public commitment. For example, some Chilean presidents have studied here and several ministers of the state have studied here too. So it's always been involved in the public sphere. And the tech transformators? 40 years ago, Universidad Católica registered the first patent. Almost 20 years ago, the first startup based inside enough was created. Regarding with the intellectual property, for example, the university received for seven consecutive years the recognition by the Chilean government as the institution that patents the most in Chile. That is very strange because in general, the companies are who apply for patents in each country, but in our case, it's the university for the seven years. So we have more than 1,000 patent applications 
and we already transfer more than 130 patents to the market. Just finally, with down the figures, the previous year, we achieved 21 transfer agreements. In total, we have more than 130 transfer agreements to this side to the market. Wow, quite some impressive numbers. As a follow-up to that, perhaps, what are the opportunities in your ecosystem? Well, you know, Chile and Latin America have a very novel innovation ecosystem and it's just developing now. So in addition, public and private investment in science and technology are still very low. That is one of our big issues. So for example, Chile's domestic expenditure on R&D, expressing percentage of the GDP, has been 0.3%, just 0.3%. And that was more or less the same in the last decade. While, you know, in U.S. it's around oh, more than 3%, the same is in K. so we have a big challenge there. Anyway, we have an, a high support from the government. So around 60% of our investment in R&D came from the public funds. So it's the second challenge. So how the private sector could be more involved in that matters. That is one of our challenges as well. On the other hand, our economy is based on natural resources exploitation. For example, the Chile's GDP is driven by minerals, even fruits, seafood, and probably, you know, have a very good wines market as well developing Chile in the last decade. So we face the challenge of developing a new economy based in knowledge and education in science and technology, etc. That we are very good that Chile has world-class scientists. So we have a huge opportunity to do it. Wine may be a more traditional economy, but I remember having Larry Love from Area University on the podcast, and he was telling me about how one of their innovations was wine barrels. So you really can innovate anywhere. Absolutely. In fact, we have many technology related with wine industry. Some of our technology now are studies in Europe, actually. So yeah, we could develop as well in the areas that we are very strong, like an economy. When you do create spin-outs, do they tend to stay in Chile or do they go elsewhere? So it depends. For example, we created two spin-offs previous year. Uh, one is called IC Innovation by the engineering professor called Daniel Hurtado. It's a startup that developed a mobile respiratory evolution system for athletes. It's called Chasky. As well, we develop another spin-off. It's called Illico Genetics. It's owned by professor of medicine, Alejandro Corvalan. It's a spin-off that developed an early detection test for gastric cancer. So currently, we have more than 30 spin-off companies that have been born from results from Catholic University. Altogether, are the value at more than $250 million. And the previous year, rising more than $10 million in risk investment. So we have an quite interesting numbers. Anyway, we are just started on that matters. The majority of our spin-offs start their business in Chile, and few of them come 
move to other countries. But probably it's because we are just very novel in that matters. And as well, because Latin America in particular, together, I mean, is a very good market to develop some of our technologies. Do they raise money from domestic investors or do they look to overseas backers? I know, for example, SoftBank has a big Latin American fund. Yeah, that is a very good question because at the beginning, when we started, our goal was raise money from the international investor. That was our goal. So we invest a lot of money to move our researchers to other markets, start to raise money, but we raised around zero dollars. <laughs> we thought it was a big problem. That was because we understood that if some international investor wanted to invest in some technology, first, he need that some local investor being involved, you know, because it could be very strange if there are local money, good technologies, why the local investor don't invest in that? Type of technology. So we changed our model and we start to raise money from local investors in first round. And in the second one, we start to, you know, contact international investors. So for that reason, the majority of our venture capital or private investment is from Chile. And some of them, we start to raise money from other countries. That makes sense. I can see how an American VC wouldn't want to invest in a Chilean startup if the local investors haven't put any money in it yet. Yeah, that's the point. And in addition, the investor in general in Chile, in Europe, in the United States, they want to be close to the entrepreneurs. So for that reason, they are available to invest. But if the company moves to the new country, you know, and we're available to do it, but of course not in the first Round probably in the second and the third. So that is other reason why we must to raise money in the third round from the local investors. You are also a founding member of the Network of Technological Managers of Chile. It's a relatively young organization. It was only founded in 2012. But what has the impact been so far? Yeah, so the National of Technology Managers having a huge importance in Chile, that's because we are a very small country. We have close to 20 million people and who are related to tech traffic, the technology managers. I mean, we are a very small group as well. So it's easy to have contact between each other. Probably all of them are in my mobile phone, you know, because now it's very easy. So for that reason, when we start to work together, we can make big change of support big change that was happening in the country. For example, when the Minister of Science and Technology start to discuss the creation of the new minister, I mean, we were part of that. Or even when the government changed, because we have a presidential system that we change our president every four years. So we need to start again, you know, with the new policies, new policymakers, etc. So part of our role as well was try to maintain that policy. So no, yes, until, of course, this type of network worked in another country, in UK, in fact, the association were in 20 years ago, something like this. So we start 10 years later. Anyway, the impact is very high because we can share good practices, for example, 
we can influence in the some family policies and is now easy to connect with the private sector as well because the private sector just must to knock just one door and know many, many different doors. You know, I think that the relevance of these types of network are very relevant or very useful for many countries, even from Chile. How easy is it to find tech transfer practitioners in Chile? Well, it is still very challenging to find tech transfer practitioners in Chile and in Latin America in general. This field, as you mentioned, is still quite new in our region. There are a few postgraduate programs, for example, focuses on these topics. Moreover, tech transfer requires a good combination between people and technical skills. So that is no easy to find in the market. So it's not the same to transfer, for example, an education innovation than a biotech innovation. For that, we need people that understand the science and the different type of science, but at the same time, the capabilities to link with the industry, talk with the government, so much to be a, a kind of a dictionary and this type of practitioner must speak that different language, you know, so that is no easy. However, in 2017, we create an annual program called From University to Industry Summer School. This is a one-week summer course. It's organized by Catholic University and the Research Office of University of Cambridge. Every January, we carry out this program in order to provide advanced trainee in subjects related to tech transfer, intellectual property strategy, entrepreneurship, recent collaboration, etc. And that is from Chileans and from Latin America people. So this type of initiative help to develop more practitioner related with the matters. I may, just because you brought it up, jump ahead to another question I was going to ask you. You created an online course on tech transfer on Coursera, the first one in Spanish as well. Was that the same motivation behind this? Did you want to create more practitioners through that course? Yeah, that was amazing project, Terry, because we're related with the transfer in Chile for more than one decade. We know that we didn't have the opportunity to participate in the formal training process, even more in Spanish, because we don't have, or still now we have just a few alternatives. So for that reason, I remember one day was in a cafeteria or, or where the place where start the new ideas, you know, we go in order to create a massive program. So for that reason, we call Coursera and we explain that we want to create a massive program in tech traffic. And you know what was the answer? They say, I don't know if I can say that. Anyway, I, I, I will tell you the history. They said, you know what? MOOC mean? MOOC mean massive. So tech transfer is now a massive topic in the world. Generally, it's more specific. Anyway, we explained them the, the relevance of that. And even more in Spanish, we didn't have this time programs. Finally, they were agreed to start and we develop a very nice course. It's very good evaluated. And now we have more than 11,000 students from different parts of the world, you know? So that is amazing. 
And through Coursera is free course. So everybody can take the course without pay. Anyway, if you want the um, certification, you have to pay, I'm not sure, but around $30 and also stuff. So in our case, oh, let me go back. In general, in Coursera, the 2% of the students pay for the certification, the 2%. Okay. In our case, it was more than 10%. Okay. So what does it mean? Mean that people need the type of program and they want to be certificate in this type of program. So now, Coursera is very happy with that. Yeah, we are very happy as well because we could give from Chile the offer or the possibility to develop more that area that is still very new. On that note, what could your international peers learn from Chile? So like I told you before, we don't have enough R&D fund. So for that, we, we must to be very efficient in our resources. So if we compare with the OECD countries, Chile spent a limit budget in science, technology. Nevertheless, we have been able to develop a top level science. So if we compare, for example, the um, quality of our research, there are many measures for that. For example, citation or others, they were in the top of the rankings. So we don't have an, so much money, but our results are very good. So we are very efficient in the use of the resources. Additionally, a strong trade strategy that began in the late 19s, the Chilean government at that time signed many trade agreements. So Chile became one of the countries with the largest amount of trade agreements in the world. So we are a very small market or a small country with a small market, but we have agreement with many different countries, more than 60 or something like this. So in order to facilitate the relationship in that way. So we are a small market, but we have connection or easy connection with the best or majority of the developed country in the world. Finally, we create 10 years ago, more or less, a startup Chile is an iconic program in the country where entrepreneurs from all over the world were attracted to our country, giving financing, work visa to develop their ventures in Chile. So that public policy had to great impact to our entrepreneurial ecosystem in Chile, because we understand what entrepreneur means, how an entrepreneur work. Chilean entrepreneur want to be part of that. So that was very successful program from Chile. The government also created the Ministry of Science, Technology, Knowledge and Innovation a few years ago. What impact has this had? Yeah, we are, of course, just in the middle of the process. Anyway, the government has been promoting the creation of Tech Transfer Office at Chilean University during the last 10 years. In Chile, Corfo is the National Innovation and Entrepreneurship Agency to support these uh, matters. And recently in Chile was created, like you said, the Science and Technology Minister. So in this way, we received high support from the state to develop the tech transfer process. But of course, it is still insufficient and we need more public and a private invest in R&D. However, recently, the president, Gabriel Boric, announced that increased the science and technology budget to 1% of our national budget in the next three years. So if it happened, it would represent a growth of 
300% with respect to the current budget. And of course, the creation of the Minister of Science and Technology support this type of policies. So we are a small country, we have a small amount of investment in R&D, but we have a huge, huge support from the government to develop innovation and tech transfer. Not to put you on the spot too much, but there was some controversy around the original Article 9 when the ministry was created. Can you tell me what this is about and what the situation is like currently? Yeah, that was in a huge controversy. And from my perspective, we haven't got enough time to solve it. Because when some law is discussion, we need a limited time because the previous government and because policy situation happens. So we need to finish the discussion. And from my perspective, what happened is we couldn't modify because we hadn't got time. What was the problem? The article was original, in fact, called number nine. We call about the article number nine and everybody until you know what it means, you know, that if a project is financed by the public resources, but in the earliest stage of development, it means a basic science, okay? It's not return the funding to the government plus 5%, I mean, to the state, if the technology will sex in the future. Okay. So if have success, must return how the state invest and plus 5%. So if someone doesn't know very well about that matter, could make sense because if someone gives you money, you are success, you must to give back the money. That could be sales. But where's the problem, Jerry? The problem is that it's related just with investment in the earliest stage of the research. And while related with that matters, we know that that stage is supported by the government. It's impossible. The international experience said that just the state invests in that very early stage. The private sector never, never will invest in the early stage because it's high technology and commercial risk. So that is the role of the state. For that reason, it's crazy to think that if you will have success, you must give back the money for a couple of reasons. First, because it's very difficult to track the project, even if somebody want to give back the money, which money to who. So in the day by day, it's impossible, basically, to do it. At the second, because in that early stage, like I told you before, is part of the role of the state. So the commitment is changed that article. I'm sure that probably in the next year we could modify and fix it. Good. Yeah, when I was researching for this interview and I came across the law, I obviously looked it up and then Article 9 said something else, so I thought it had been crossed off. But obviously, I think it's Article 25 now. It's crazy. So I'm glad you're here. You are still working on this. In happier news, though, you are also the author of a tech transfer book, Del Laboratorio al Mercado. Can you tell me more about this, how it came together and what prompted you to write it? You know, I'm an engineer. You know how hard it was for me to write a book. That was a similar that Coursera inspiration. So it was, for me in particular, it was very hard to find some literature in, uh, about tech transfer. No, just in Spanish, because now you can translate everything. But with the local experience, Chile, Latin America, you know, how to connect with other countries. 
So as well, I had the opportunity to visit different tech transfer office in Latin America and Europe and the United States, even in New Zealand. I used to live in New Zealand. So I could research how was the key for a successful in the tech transfer. So for that, I decided to start a writable. I spent more than four years writing that. I'm very clear because I start when my first daughter born the same year, and I finished why my second daughter had two years. So I'm very clear when I start and when I finish it. And after that, I worked with publisher for around one year. So that book talk about, of course, IP, the transfer, entrepreneurship, how to manage the transfer office from Chile, from Latin America to other countries. It's written in Spanish until now. We will have probably news current in a few weeks more, but until now it's Spanish and include as well many successful cases from Latin America. And that is very interesting because in general, when we talk about the transfer and successful cases, in general, we knew Gatorade experience, cherry, tomato, and et cetera, you know, more famous experience. That book talked about local experience and very successful local experience. So the book was bestseller in Amazon when we launched it, even in Chile. So it was amazing. So. Many people are interested in that and was bestseller when we launched it. So was bestseller not because the book was good, because nobody was read the book before, was because the people were interested in how science and technology could improve our quality of life and help to manage that. So I'm very happy with that experiment and had a high successful in Latin America. Oh, fantastic. My Spanish isn't quite good enough, I fear, to follow a whole book, so I look forward to being available in English. I've already got Tom Hockaday's book on the shelf here behind me, as you can see, so I can put yours right next to it. Sure. In fact, when I was finished, in fact, the book was in the publisher, I participated in the launch of the Tom Hockaday book, so it was not an inspiration in order to accelerate the process, you know, <laughs> of my work. You've been at PUC since 2011. You previously worked at the Instituto Tresier, the incubator of Universitat Tecnica Federico Santa Maria. You were a professor during your time with Universitat Santa Maria. How did you end up in tech transfer and what made you join PUC? So probably uh, such as many of us that we involved in innovation, tech transfer, was just opportunity. So my point is, when I was in high school, I didn't so that I want to work in innovation. And even when I was at the university, decided to move to the innovation. We just arrived to the innovation area, you know. Anyway, I started my professional life in an incubator in Chile, in one of the most successful Chilean incubators. And after that, at Catholic University, I started to find someone who could create the tech transfer office inside of the university. So that was an amazing challenge. I wanted to be part probably with my experience, or I thought with my experience could help on it. So I applied the position. And a couple of months later, I started to work at the university, at Catholic University. So I moved from one with university in Chile to another very good university as well. 
And you know what was of the key reasons that I decided to start in UC, and it's part of my book as well, is because the president of the university was absolutely convinced that innovation and the transfer were necessary, was important for the future of the university. Because if not, it's very hard to work in a very high risk activity like innovation. So that probably finished to convince me that that was the place that I want to start to work. I mean, so now that was more than 10 years ago. Yeah. Until now, I'm very happy because I know yes to move the university of the ranking in innovation, patents, the like transfer. As well, I could contribute to mobilize the other universities and even the country in order to go to the follow level. Even I participated in the discussion of the creation of the Minister of Science, for example, the discussion of the IP law that was with some modification of the law recently. So from that position, I could as well contribute to develop the ecosystem around the country. What advice would you give to someone starting out in this career today? Two advice. One, it's very important to develop skills on that matters. So that is necessary. Currently, we have more opportunities, more offer around the world, free courses, books, formal courses as well, master degree, diploma, many. So develop a skill, prepare. That is really important. And secondly, is make relationships. So tech traffic is basically relationship sport. You need to meet others. You need to know others. You need to have the opportunity to pick up the phone, texting other relationships. So it's important to participate to international conference, for example, different Congress, spend time in another place, some internship. I don't know. There are many ways. But my point is, what development skills, technical skills, second, relationships. If you had a magic wand, what would you change? Like a Harry Potter, you said. Yes, like Harry Potter. No, a couple of things. First, more administrative things, if you want. I would like to modify the patent application process. From my perspective, it must to be easier, cheaper. Now it's very, you need to know about one patent. You need support from lawyer to apply one patent. So it's very hard for entrepreneur, for example, to do it alone. Basically, it's impossible. So I know that in the last year, now it's changed and now it's easier, it's cheaper as well. Anyway, I would like to modify that, make keep it simple, etc. But that could be my first action. And the second, I would like to modify the mind of many policymakers in order to make them understand the relevance of the innovation, particularly for the undeveloped or developing countries. Poor countries, developing countries must to invest in innovation if they want to move to become a developed country. Wrongly, People think that they cannot invest because they are poor. The problem is the countries are poor because they 
don't invest in R&D. So I would like to modify the, the mindset of the policymaker. I have a feeling a lot of people would share that wish. You've already mentioned a few spin-outs during our conversation, but I'll just give you another chance to mention any you may have in your notes, because obviously I had a specific question about this. Sure, no, we have some examples of, you see, Chile startups or spin-off. One is called, for example, Cipedi. Cipedi is the first Chilean robot using artificial intelligence. It was designed to verify that there aren't any mistakes in the order or prices of product displayed in stores. So Cipedi sits around the Islands of supermarket and retail stores independently. So performing tasks that are typical in the industry, such as ordering products and checking prices, for example. Last February, it raised 15 million US dollars in investing fund and now is valuing in more than 100 million dollars. So it's one of our successful cases. Anyway, we have others, for example, one from other area from medicine school. Is called Gym Pro DX. The company develops tests that is available to detect more presently whether the thyroid nodule are begin or malignant, avoid a large number of unnecessary thyroid removal. So that is invention consists of a genetic signature that can predict with a 97, 97% of certainty whether a node is benign or malign. So that is amazing because can prevent that unnecessary surgeries that now are happening worldwide. Finally, I wanted to talk about Sirve. Sirve was one of our first spin-off. We created that probably 15 years ago or more. It's a technology that developed a solution related with earthquake resistant devices. Chile and the Pacific coast were exposed to earthquake all the time. So that company developed that innovative earthquake resistant solution to further the industrial advance. For example, they have device solution to enhance the performance of a structure when hit by earthquake and to mitigate the huge material human damage, of course, caused by the earthquake, not just in Chile, even in New Zealand, Peru, and other parts of the world. Very broad array of companies there. Fantastic. We are almost out of time, sadly. Is there anything else you want people to know? A message that I would like to share with others. So Latin America probably is one of the most prosperous region in tech transfer. I'm sure that in the next 10 years, the history will be other. So we will can show a huge successful cases because we are working very far from more than one decade. So it's a good place to visit, to know, to view in order to understand what happens. I really expect that we could change the world from that part of the planet. I look forward to keeping an eye on Latin America. Alvaro, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you and learning more about Chile. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Terry. I really enjoyed the conversation today. Talking Tech Transfer is hosted by me, Thierry Helis. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and peruse our archive of more than 50 interviews. 
This podcast is a production by Global University Venturing, a Morsonia Limited publication. You can find our website at globalventuring.com forward slash university, on Twitter at GU Venturing, and on LinkedIn as Global University Venturing. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from In-Ear Production. You can find out more about them at inearproduction.com. If you have any comments or are interested in being a guest on a future episode, feel free to email me at thales at globalventuring.com. That's T-H-E-L-E-S at globalventuring.com. We'd also really love it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you haven't yet, do recommend this podcast to your friends and colleagues, or maybe even share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, goodbye. Do 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 do